Hi guys, welcome back. Welcome back, saucers. Welcome back, saucers. That was great. I hope you are all. <laughs> I hope everyone is alive and well and yes. adjusted and meditating and um, mm-hmm. having difficult conversations still and yes. keeping yourself informed but still taking care of your mental health and listening to our podcast. Amen. <laughs> and still religiously listening to SOS, please. Priorities. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for this one. We have yeah. today, um, our guest is Ariel Michelle, and she is an LA-based model, actress, and artist. She yeah. does it all. She's like a creative whirlpool. Yeah. Um, and she... So we both of us worked with her. That's how we met her. And I she's dope. She's yeah, she's never not like she can draw. She's incredible. Like I've seen her paintings, her drawings. She's never not just like doodling something with all of her pens and colored pencils out like even even at work and like she just has her her photos. I mean, she just is a creative being yeah. through and through. And so and she has quite an Instagram following, so our topic um, you know, is going to be loosely around social media influencing. She's definitely yeah. on the influencer level with her level of followers and influence. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you guys want to check yeah, her out, you can. Yeah, she, and she's a beautiful mind, too. So I'm just mm-hmm. really excited for you guys to hear this and for us to talk with her again. And and um, yeah, I mean, we always wanted to talk about social media. And I think now it's like a really weird time, like in a pandemic you know yeah and also like you know social media is changing with how we are uh representing different cultures and and skin types and body types and all this stuff and making everything um okay you know you don't have to be this one type to be right uh, to to influence you know not to be corny with it but yeah yeah and I want to pick her brain about like actually being um, being a woman of color and having, and in this last month, like seeing brands scramble to prove how diverse they are, as opposed to those who are inherently have those beliefs and the, what she has seen, because I know she's been in a lot of campaigns and I feel like there's a lot of brands now who are like pulling up campaigns they did once a year ago because there was like a black girl in it or something. And I'm just really interested to pick her brain on all of that. Um, on Instagram, her Instagram is at Ari, A R I E dot Michelle, M I C H E L E. So you guys should go check her out while you're listening. Scroll through her photos. (laughs) Yep. So without further ado, enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Please welcome Ariel to the pod. Hello. Hi. Hello, hello. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Hey. Oh my God, we miss your face so much. I know. <laughs> miss just faces in general, you know. <laughs> Honestly, for real. Um, oh my God. Thank you so much for being here and talking to us. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to jump right into it. Like, uh, you're a super talented model, actress, artist. We're obsessed with you, I mean, as a person, but also, like, I am obsessed with your Instagram, like, yes. your stories, everything, um, and I'm just, and we're interested in just, like, we're, like, 
how you grew up basically and like how you became an artist and like yeah, yeah. and the and your, I, your journey what I'm, one thing that I really appreciate about your Instagram because we're talking like social media influencing obviously mm-hmm. but um I remember I think it was like a couple of years ago but I saw a caption that you put on a photo that was like I used to just post my photos from my shoots and you know, not really say much. And you're like, but I just realized like, I'm over that. I want every caption that I have to be thoughtful and to say something meaningful. And, and you, every single one of yours does. And you have this way of being vulnerable and open and very real. And it's, there's so much strength in that because I think what's so refreshing about your feed and the things that you open up about and your stories and your captions and everything and your photos, it's just like, you're not over curated in the sense that I mean it is because it's intentional but it's not like over curated in the fact that where you're like okay but all these photos are like super photoshopped and all her it's not these cheesy like you're saying real shit and you open up about like look guys I had a rough day and this do you guys ever think about this it's very like a community that you build and a lot of influencers um don't go that deep with it. And a lot do, and you're one that does. And so that's, I have so much respect for like the community that you build and also the uh, vulnerability that you have without being obnoxiously like, look at every part of my life. It's like, you just have, you walk the line and you have a lot of, um, a lot of people following you. I'm sure it's for that reason too. So before we, I mean, then I want to now I want to jump into your childhood, but people who haven't followed you yet or I want them to know like the context of what your page actually is because it's mm-hmm. it is your photos and your art but it's like you get a sense for who you are and what you stand for and the human experience is like what you highlight mainly it's not all shiny fucking ponies it's like yeah. <laughs> life sometimes it sucks and being a creative is hard and yeah it's not a downer page either it's just real yeah. and it's hard to find oh thank you yeah <laughs> of course so yeah you're creative like your childhood your dreams for your life as a child have you always has it always been in the creative realm yeah so as a kid I, I for whatever reason I just knew I'm like and anything that I did was gonna have to be creative I had absolutely no interest in academics um mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I wasn't good at it I knew I'm I'm smart in the sense of how I guess our school structure has been made to be so I'm Mm -hmm. I understood context clues I was good at test taking that doesn't mean that I was great at retaining all the information it was just like I know how to the process of elimination I know all of these things right (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um I know if I had a genuine interest in like math or science or history which I'm now starting to have more interest in history just due to social issues but um if I had more of a genuine interest in school, I, I know I would have excelled even more so, but, um, I, I knew instinctively that, you know, anything creative was for me. So Mm -hmm. it's funny because when I was in like, it's elementary school, (laughs) um, (laughs) luckily I think our generation is so blessed because we, grew up in the like golden era of Disney Channel I would say of just like TV in general you know childhood Mm -hmm. shows were so inspiring for me and and and, uh, I found myself in like certain or in in all different types of genres and I they resonated with me and 
just from like the top of my head, like that's a Raven fucking like yeah. Hannah Montana even. Um mm-hmm. Cheetah Girls was one of them. Like yeah. I had Cheetah this, Girls. I can't even explain how many times me and my friends in elementary school would be at recess pretending we were Cheetah Girls, pretending we were Laker <laughs> Girls. Like I was always Adrian. <laughs> I was um what's her name? Bubbles, what's her name? Um <laughs> I forgot. Anyways, oh my god, <laughs> the one with the hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that was me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah, so and I would memorize the lines because I would watch these shows so much. I would watch these episodes mm-hmm. so much that I would memorize the lines and I would say the lines with the TV show. Like I was just, I was that kid. And when I was in middle school, um, one of my friends she had told me she's like, "You should do acting because you make all these funny faces." And I had no idea. I didn't think about it like that. I was like, oh. Maybe I should. Mm. So mm. <laughs> I um like pestered my parents to get me into any sort of like acting class or something like that. Mm. And I remembered hearing on the radio, um, you know how they would do those random ads for like the trying to get kids and teenagers to go to like a casting thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. yeah, so I went to one with one of my elementary school friends. And, our, and this is in L.A., right? Like, yeah. you were raised in, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I grew up in the Valley. I grew up in San Fernando Valley. But um, mm-hmm. this casting was held, like, in, like, West Hollywood or something. And that was, I think, one of my first, like, the earliest recollections I have of actually being in the city. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is where I need to be. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was like, this is it. I hate the suburbs. Like, this is mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and mind you, I had to be no older than, like, 11. So that's <laughs> yeah. saying a lot. And um, I remember going, and my parents couldn't afford to put me in these in these classes because they were, like, mm-hmm. at least $500, something <sighs> wild. And my friends who went with me with her parents, they put her in those classes. And I was just like, okay, well, this sucks. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> it was just like, I'll, one day, maybe. And I was being really upset about it, I remember. But um, eventually, my time did come because... Like, in high school, I took theater classes. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember being the oldest kid in, like, a a summer acting boot camp in, like, Mm -hmm. Thousand Oaks. And everybody else was, like, the oldest age was, like, I was oldest. I was probably, like, 12 or 13. And everybody else was, like, 8 or 9. So that was, (laughs) and I was, like, this is, wow. (laughs) And, um. And then I remembered, like, once I got, to, I got to high school and I was in theater class, I didn't take it that seriously because nobody else did. Um, yeah. But it wasn't really until, like, junior year that, like, the the biggest role that I got was for a kid's play that our school put on um, for, like, the elementary schools in the, in the area. And they would come mm-hmm. watch the juniors and the seniors in um, their theater class do this play for them during the day. And mm-hmm. um, that was it. And even after, even after, um, and when I was in senior year, didn't get, didn't get anything that I auditioned for. I was just mm-hmm. like, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is it. But, um, cause I was also in, uh, I was in dance class at that school too. I'm, so grateful considering my dad made sure my sister and I went to the most suburban of high schools. 
Um, there weren't very many um, black kids there. I'm not going to lie. So there was a bit of an identity crisis. But yeah. other than that, just the fact that um, I had access to all these extracurricular activities that I probably wouldn't yeah. elsewhere. Um, so just the fact that I was able to take like a photo class and the fact that I was right. able to. Because they give those options to the white kids. Yeah. Yeah. And um, luckily I was able to take advantage of that and hopefully be able to like share whatever I, knowledge that I picked up there. Yeah. And I, I hated PE and physical education in any capacity. So I did dance in, instead. And mm-hmm. you only needed to take some sort of PE for two years. And I ended up doing dance for all four. So mm-hmm. um, I did dance and theater for all four, did photo for like two years. And um, because I just didn't really want to learn anything else. <laughs> did yeah. you have like, was there a front runner in your creative world as, as far as like, oh, my favorite is acting or my favorite is photography? Or was it kind of like a broad, you were still trying to find which one you liked the best? I think at the time, there was there was moments when each one favored out of the others. So mm-hmm. I had a moment where I was just so enveloped in dancing because I ended up joining dance team at one point, but that didn't work out due to whatever teenage angst issues that I had. But um, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I did dance team at one point, and then at one point, theater was at the forefront. But there was always something where I was comparing myself to other people in the class. Yeah, so yeah that's what really deterred me from progressing. Um, Cause I would always, there's always somebody better. There was always, yeah. you know, always and yeah. still to this day. So of course. Um, it basically wasn't until senior year when the time came to, you see that, what was it? When did you start um, applying for, for, for college? Is that senior like year? Junior yeah, year, senior like year. junior, senior yeah. year. So at, whenever I started applying for college, I knew I didn't want to go to a normal university only because I just did not want to take my SATs. Yeah. That just wasn't an option for me. I'm like, I'm okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah I had suck. no idea yeah. what I wanted to major in anyway. I knew that if I mm. did want to major in anything, it would have been creative. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if having a degree in something creative is really worth it if it's necessary. Right. So instead I did a little bit of research and found two um, acting schools in LA. Um, I found American Musical and Dramatic Academy at AMDA. Mm -hmm. And then I Mm -hmm. found American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Mm -hmm. So when I saw um, AMDA's page, I think they only had about like, (laughs) (laughs) hey, I think that they only had about like two, Two alumni who I'd recognized. One was somebody from Modern Family, and the other person was Jason mm-hmm. Derulo. So I was like, "We gonna be good. <laughs> I can get in here." Right, so. Jason Derulo. I had no yes. idea you went to Amda. No, I Derulo. didn't. I did. I auditioned. I got in. I paid the deposit. Right, and then, um, and then I, for whatever reason, something instinctually said. Just try to just just audition for Ada because their website was so intimidating to me all of their alumni were just, mm. just I was like I don't know if I could do this this is a lot yeah to, you know a lot of pressure I'm putting on myself so I did it I got my audition I whatever the woman who later became my voice and um voice and speech instructor she had auditioned me and she's like you know you're a pro at auditioning I'm like oh, hey <laughs> I had no idea. me mind mm. you like throughout high school 
I I didn't think anything of myself when it came to that. I was just like, I'm interested in it. I like it. I want to say I'm good at it, but I haven't had any confirmation of that, you know, not throughout my entire high school experience. So that was really nice. And so I got in there. I retracted my application from AMDA and I was like, I'm going to ADA. Mm -hmm. And um, then I started that two year conservatory journey in Hollywood. Yeah. Very interesting time. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to do the conservatory route, too. And then I didn't. And I went to a four-year school that was entirely too expensive. And uh, the conservatories are still expensive, sis. You probably yeah, no, got I, yeah, I know they are. I know, yeah, yeah. Because well, there's Amda like, in New York too. There's like a couple, but I I, I want to ask you too, um, or on the subject. Like, I wonder. This was kind of my experience, and I'm still like a white passing woman. But for you, like, were the the shows that your school was putting on were they mostly like written by white playwrights yeah white actors and white characters because yeah. that so, was what happened to me a lot yeah there there were what was it I want to say most of the things that I was in there wasn't no there wasn't necessarily a specificity on it being a white character mind you I the way that they had um the way that they had all of the classes set up was you would be in a section of students. The first year, they had you grouped up with students that are generally around the same age age range as you. Mm-hmm. So regardless of the play, at least y'all all looked like you were supposed to be in... The same age, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and they also tried to group people with like similar life experiences or whatever. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because one thing I didn't realize until I basically went there for orientation was that there was going to be people there from all different walks of life right so I was fresh out of high school I know a lot of people that I was grouped with in my first year were fresh out of high school but there were still people in like their 30s 40s you know yeah and Mm -hmm. who had their whole like they had a whole life experience prior and they're just like I really want to pursue this so I'm taking that leap and I'm doing it and so which made the student body the student body was diverse yeah like racially as well yeah so that Mm -hmm. was nice I think that they went out of their way to make sure because we did have a a a nice handful of international students as well Mm -hmm. um which is how I met my boyfriend because um oh yeah yeah so we had I I met so many people from all over the world just being there um so I'm extremely grateful but they definitely made the curriculum so that you had to fit into a very American market. Like they yeah. talked you out of whatever accent that you have. Like they trained you out of oh, that. Oh wow. Yeah. So wow. my Valley girl, like, hi, hey, whatever. <laughs> my Valley girl was like, Hi, I'm Ariel. I sound like a voice machine. Like that kind oh of my vibe. Gosh. They wanted everybody to sound like that. Um, at least first year. And um so I remember all of most of my um, most of the roles that I had gotten for like exam plays or whatever scene work were they, they weren't yeah they were white like that's just the way yeah. it was, that was whatever whatever and um or yeah it wasn't really until my grad play second year mm-hmm. left I I don't I don't know who picked the plays that year I know our student advisor person or whatever she's black so I think she probably went out of her way to 
yeah. to see um, who, like, how how many students they had of one ethnic group, and they could put them into more di- like diverse play or whatever. So I remember our my grad play was specifically centered around um, Black Americans, oh, and okay. so I was extremely grateful for that. And um, yeah, that that specifically was, but I don't recall other ones being the case. Yeah. What did um at what point did you start pursuing modeling? So it wasn't until after I did I so I after second year I had the option to join the theater company for the school and mm-hmm. that meant auditioning for it. Um mind you second year you had to get asked back. So mm-hmm. that's how they made that extremely prestigious and mm-hmm. um for the theater company when I auditioned I auditioned with the intention of let's add a little more diversity in the mix because mm-hmm. the previous theater companies that I had seen weren't very diverse. There may be like two or three black people in them. And yeah. I was very lucky that the year that I was there or the couple of years that I was there, people in my year, there was significant amount of black and brown students. So a lot of us, I know some people, at least the international ones had the intention of auditioning because they wanted their visa to be extended um, mm-hmm. which is fair enough because it's yeah. not easy to be able to yeah. stay in the state. Um, and my goal was I wanted to make it more diverse and I also wanted more experience within um, the acting realm. So I I got in, did the theater company, did that for the mm. year, did whatever plays throughout the year. And then once that was done, I had... I had my a completely different SOF moment where I was like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Yeah. Like, right. I'm so used to being in class, like, or being in class for basically eight hours yeah. a day, also Structure. working two jobs. Like, it was, I was doing a lot, and that went from constantly doing something to almost nothing, like, just going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was very lost in the sense of, okay, well, they gave me some tools that I can work with. Um, they didn't really, you know, give us the reality of the situation, which is, hey, it's going to be damn near impossible to book something. If you're lucky, you're going to book something right off the bat. But for the most but part, like, you're looking at like a decade or more of trying. Yeah. Like the, the reality of that was not set in for me. And it was starting to settle in after theater company was done because they had a showcase at the end of it I had maybe like two agencies that were interested in me and I reached out to them didn't hear anything back so I was Mm. discouraged like everything that when it when it came to me reaching out to agencies Mm -hmm. it just I I didn't have the confidence in like selling myself you know and um as far as like the admin part of it when it came to like constantly writing emails sending postcards updating your headshots all the time I'm like I can't afford this (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also constantly submitting yourself online and doing like backstage and paying for your subscription to backstage and you know, like casting active access. There's mm-hmm. just so many of these things involved. Yeah. And I was also thinking like half of these um half of these projects that do want to book me aren't paid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's just copy, credit, meal and go about today. If I'm like copy, yep. credit and meal I ain't paying my rent. Like I don't yeah. live at home. Yeah, you know, so um, that's when I thought, let me try to get into modeling. I had a friend, um, one of my good friends, 
previously. She had done modeling, and so I was thinking, okay, maybe I can just try. I'm not sure exactly mm-hmm. how I, I think I was on like Model Mayhem or whatever, and then I started mm-hmm. going on like Facebook <laughs> groups. Model Mayhem's mad sketchy, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've done some Model Mayhem. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, yeah. yeah, so I started with that, and I was just thinking like this is probably an easier way for me to just get my foot in the door because what year was this? I'm just curious in relation to social media. Sorry. What year was this? Because I'm thinking about, like, was Instagram a thing yet? Or was this, was, like... It was, but I wasn't really using it for that. It was, like, when yeah. everybody was just using Instagram filters and, like, doing that little was square. It, it was so like, before... <laughs> 2012. Frame. Yeah. Like, 2012. It was, it was before they, like, let you do a full frame of something. Like, everything yeah. dropped. And, <laughs> yeah. No no one was really using it for that. Um, But... Yeah, I'm just thinking about those pictures now. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I know. they... Um, goodness uh it was probably like 2013 2014 mm-hmm. no yeah, that's yeah. a lie that's a lie it was after that 2015 mm-hmm. 2015 I think and um so I started doing just random shoots with people yeah. and it was a nice way to for me to understand that how I see myself isn't how other people see me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it made me more comfortable or helped me learn how to be more comfortable in my own body. Because Interesting, it, yeah. Yeah, because that was something that I was struggling with when I was in acting school because yeah. I was always, it was easy for me to just stand there and talk. But when it came mm-hmm. to like gesturing or like using my full body um, mm-hmm. while acting, I didn't really understand. Like there was just a disconnect. So, yeah. Um, modeling definitely taught me how to connect with the two and mm-hmm. um, it That's took some time because there were plenty of shoots even to this day where then at the time I thought oh this is shit like I wasted my mm-hmm. time I look horrible I can't use this but now looking back and I look at those photos I'm like I look fine like I look good yeah why perspective what? is such a photographer thought it was dope yeah so, you know yeah. um that so that definitely helped and it wasn't mm-hmm. When did people start using Instagram for like marketing purposes? Well, like 20. I feel like it was like, I mean, I think 16? it started around like 14, 15, 16, 15, but like yeah. really the last, cause I, I, I do remember like a big burst for me when I discovered, like I was really discovering brands and stuff on Insta, like in the jewelry brand that I work for now. I remember 2014, I had like this burst of discovery of creatives on Instagram who I was all of a sudden finding. And that makes me think that that's kind of around the time where people were using it as promotion because all of a sudden I started discovering these people and these brands mm. and artists that I hadn't, and that was like 2014. So I want to say it, it was around then when it started to become like taken seriously for a business use. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, that would make sense because even then at that time I was just posting and posting my modeling stuff. Didn't really know what to do with it, but it was right. like, yeah. <laughs> and we were all like using, I mean, Instagram, like when it started it was my first year that I moved out to LA that Instagram even started. And I remember it being like, all it was, was like a photo diary of everybody's day. It was like, which some people still use it as, but it was literally like, look at this funny leaf I found on the sidewalk. Look at my coffee, look yeah. at my, and like, it wasn't at all. It wasn't like quality images like you said it was those shitty like three instagram filters you could use and they were blurry <laughs> and grainy and the the iphones weren't even good quality you know yeah and so it was just like a whole just that valencia I, filter over yeah. and over again you know <laughs> i'm interested in the like your progression so 
maybe I'm skipping things so we can go back, but I'm really curious because of the climate, the social climate today, especially when it comes to race and brands scrambling now to prove that they're like on board or that they're, they are diverse or uh, because you now have accumulated such a following on Instagram and you've done so many shoots and you have like brand collaborations. Have you noticed since like since George Floyd, just in the last month or so, um, brands that maybe you did a shoot with like a couple years ago now all of a sudden pushing you to the front of like look at we shot a black model once yeah yeah honestly there's I did notice at least one I I don't Mm -hmm. I wasn't really paying attention because there's just that whole uh, this whole time has been so heavy right but I noticed at least one where I didn't even really pay attention to their posts after we had shot honestly Mm -hmm. but I remembered they had tagged me and I did this shoot maybe in like 2017 like 2016 and um it was me one white girl and then another mixed race light girl and Mm -hmm. I just thought it was funny because like as you scroll down you just it just all (laughs) looks the same but then there's just that one shoot that we did however many years ago so I thought it was funny and I'm like I just try to give people the benefit of the doubt that it's not intentional um yeah you know and I think it's nice that that I'm I guess I don't I don't because I just don't want to be the face of like I don't want to be the token black girl I don't and I also yeah. know I'm like I'm light I'm mm-hmm. you know, there's so many shades of brown and there's so many right. and, and that's not to underplay whatever attributes that I have but especially mm-hmm. in this time, if you found that I'm the only person right. that's deemed like worthy enough or the only person that you found, I think that's just a cop out, honestly. So, yeah, um, yeah I have. <laughs> Is it something that you focused on like when you started like utilizing social media where you like I might be or or. Or maybe it's the people that you surround yourself like did you surround yourself with like diverse content creators like when you would. make projects yourself or have shoots or like were you conscious of what you were putting out and making sure that you weren't just the token like black girl yeah I know at one point um it so when I was in London it definitely um I regardless of how elitist the UK's marketing and branding or whatever you know trying to actually be a part of the creative industry it might be mm. it's definitely a little more diverse in that sense mm. so I I know I definitely worked with more um more of a diverse crew of people for lack of a yeah. better term yeah. um than I did at least in LA and I know when it came to the types of work that I was trying to get like just considering like if I wanted to be booked by an agent or if I want an agency to um, want me to be part of their roster, they have like a list of their photographers that they wanted you to shoot with. Right. Most of Mm -hmm. which are white and Mm -hmm. um, most of which who have mainly shot white girls. And it wasn't like it was something I would notice it. I would recognize it. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until like a few years later that I started just deterring myself from that. I know it definitely 
I definitely made a point to make sure I wasn't working with a makeup artist who hadn't worked with black people before. I was just going to ask about makeup and hair. Oh, like, on yeah. Set. Yeah. Makeup artists specifically. I I made it a thing to because I'm like, I don't want to be the guinea pig. <laughs> I've yeah. been the guinea pig. And knowing that I'm I'm a medium tone of brown. Mm-hmm. Like, right. The, the fact that if you can't get my shade right, yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. And because did you have shoots where you had to bring your own makeup, like your own yeah, foundation? I've had because 20, they, yeah, so many, so many, yeah, so many shoots, more shoots than I can even count, um, more than not, and I it hasn't been an issue as of like the last year. Luckily, luckily, there's been more than enough brands, especially since Fenty came on the scene, more than mm-hmm. enough brands that have um made that statement that are like, okay, we're gonna have a variety of shades, you know, so you Which don't have is like excuse. the most logical no-brainer thing for any for makeup in general one would think i mean i'm not surprised because this is white supremacy that we live in but like it's like this makeup it's for your face the point is to match your skin tone so what makeup brand wouldn't consider uh skin tones because they don't want to spend the money and you know on all these shades when especially if most of their campaign is full of one shade or just a couple of the shades you know it's like not even worth it for them exactly until it and, you know uh, it's convenient uh, well i was listening to this uh podcast a beauty podcast recently and they were, had a black makeup artist on and she was talking about how in in consumerism in the beauty industry black women are like the number one consumers and she's like you know a big part of that although a big part of that is because for years black women have had to buy like literally two at, at least two foundations to mix into to get their actual color so they're actually having to purchase double what white women have to purchase just to make that mix their own color so it's so messed up like uh, uh you know i just think like having i think it's really important that like you're on here to talk about it too and that people really understand it like things that normally wouldn't cross people's mind like oh you did a photo shoot that's great like no, it's not normal for a model. Well, it is for black models, but for a white model to have to come and think about like, are they going to have my, should I bring my own makeup or like, that's not supposed to be a thing. Yeah. And it's happened multiple times. And so that's where I consciously made the decision or I would, I would go out of my way to bring my own shade until I felt confident enough that society has, you know, made that change where I, yeah. I and I know that I can go to a shoot and knowing that I'm going to get my makeup done and knowing that I don't need to bring my own foundation. Um, mm. But yeah, as far as like photographers and um, like or stylists and things like that, I, to be completely honest, I was just trying to get like portfolio things done. I wasn't necessarily yeah. thinking about that. And it, right. it was also one of those things where if I did see somebody who had shot mainly white girls, to be honest, I had to deal with my own um, idea or my own, like, identity crisis because, like, growing up, I wanted mm-hmm. to be white. Like, just, mm-hmm. and that's just that on that. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up yeah. with so many white people, and I I was made fun of for my hair. I was made fun of for X, Y, and Z, or I was told that, oh, you're going to get so dark, or this, that, when my, I'm white as fuck. Like, there's just, just yeah. so many, mm-hmm. I don't, when it, so because of this, and I, I was straightening my hair so much, you know, mm-hmm. I killed it at one point so wow um I associated so many beauty standards with whiteness yeah and I 
kind of disassociated whatever my, you know, my complexion, what my natural hair is, things like that with beauty. Yeah. And um, so I would see like boudoir shoots or lifestyle beach shoots and like that long, flowy, silky yeah. hair. And I'm like, that. I want to look mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so if I saw somebody shooting mainly white girls and they looked like that, I didn't even care because I'm like, that's the vibe that I'm going that's for. That's what I want to. Yeah. You know? I see. Mm-hmm. You know? So it wasn't until interesting, like it wasn't until I want to say like the last couple of years where I've really stepped into my own, especially when I moved to London and I didn't realize mm-hmm. how different I looked because I was going out of my way to make sure that my hair is in braids, but I was doing like different colored braids. I wasn't like, mm-hmm. um, because there is like a high African population in, um, in the UK. So a lot mm-hmm. of the black people that are there are, still very in tune with their culture back home and because I didn't have that I'm just like I'm just gonna express myself however I feel like it I was doing things a little differently and I'm like queen of DIY because I just don't feel like paying for anything so (laughs) (laughs) um, so I would do my hair my own hair and I would do it in like a funky like multiple colors in ways that people weren't used to seeing Mm. and um so when I was out there, I got a little more recognition from like, student creatives because I was booking mm. a lot of stuff from for student projects, and they saw potential in me that um, industry creatives didn't. So yeah. because of them and they're wanting to uplift me in whatever um, capacity, they saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. Um, mm-hmm. So that helped me come into my own and and just kind of accept that and work with it you know it's interesting because um the modeling industry specifically like entertainment of course but modeling um can can go so many different directions in terms of what it does to your self-perception of course like we all know what the negative side is but you were able it seems to harness it in a sense that it actually liberated you because it allowed you to get out of i don't want to speak for you so tell me if this is correct like if it it allowed you to kind of get out of your head about your own self-perception and see yourself in a different light as opposed to like um, restricting you even more into what they want you to look like, what the industry as a whole wants you to look like. Cause you said you kind of started to find yourself and your voice in it. And I don't know, I'm curious, like when your Instagram, going back to your actual Instagram account and your captions that you post and the community that you make an effort to build there is like so inclusive. And what has your, uh, what's the word? I don't even know, but like your plan of action been for your Instagram account, like in recent years, like how do you, what is your goal for that? How do you strategize what you're posting and what you're saying? Yeah. So I made a conscious decision, especially um, after moving to London and not wanting basically anything to do with LA just because I had experienced so much superficiality within the industry. Um, And I, and because I was so disheartened by um, a lot of like the industry encounters I'd had in the UK as well, I just got tired of pretending like everything was fine online. (laughs) I got Mm -hmm, tired of everybody like going, scrolling through seeing all of these influencers, seeing even people that I know posting things like everything is just 
so happy go lucky all the time i'm like this shit is fake yeah mm-hmm. like we need to come on like let's 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 be real here and mm-hmm. i had experience like my i had my own like teenage years of doing too much on the internet and like telling the world my business so i'm like i don't want to do that and i know that stigma people have when people have their like cries for help online mm-hmm. you know people right will either frown upon it or they'll like rush to your aid and it might not even be that serious you just feel like being dramatic so yeah. Yeah. it's either like one or the other so mm-hmm. um I knew that there had to be a middle ground um I knew that I wanted to find a way to for people to connect with me and whatever experiences that I'm having just because I wanted people to understand that they're not alone in mm-hmm. whatever obstacles that they're facing um especially considering at the time all social media was very aesthetic based and it still is and I think that it's become a little more especially as of late it's become more realistic and much more down to earth but definitely at the time it was very superficial and all it made me think of was all all the shit that I had left in LA but I knew that mm-hmm. I had to use social media in order, you know, in order to get somewhere creatively. Yeah. Um, I knew that that was a tool that otherwise, if I didn't use it, it would be extremely difficult for me to get my foot in the door. So, mm-hmm. um, and something that I had told myself, I want to say after graduating and after doing theater company, I told myself that I wanted to be a part of a like changing the industry I wanted to be a part of mm-hmm. yeah. um I and I still to this day stand by that considering it's so difficult for anybody to be seen to be heard to for their stories to be told yeah. um it's very difficult for people to access these tools that mm-hmm. you know that aren't that you know it, it's nothing that I, I think you should be having to pay $30,000 a year to know, you know, because mm-hmm. um, some of these things you like YouTube was a great tool for me at one point because I was mm. learning how to do so many things for myself just based on the tutorials that I was watching. Yeah. Um, and I still think that. So I don't know. I, I just consciously made the decision like I need to change my platform, not only for other people, but for myself. Because yeah. I don't want to post things that I don't feel connected to. I don't want to post something and pretend like everything's cute when it's not, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, people need to know that, yeah, I, this might be a really nice photo, but the shoot wasn't that great. <laughs> like, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't yeah, have that's... that great of a time. Like, yeah. it was difficult. It was fucking cold. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I had to stop and go blow my nose every two seconds. Like, Something was going mm-hmm. on, and um, yeah, because I saw, I thought that that element was definitely missing. So yeah. yeah, did you notice like a shift in like your, I guess, followers when you decided to become more real? At least you know to portray a realness, to be vulnerable. Did you ever notice like a shift, even in with your like friends that would post things? Like, do you yeah. think they post them? Um, I noticed that people I I'd gotten a bit of like outreach from from people who had recognized um my vulnerability I guess 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'd even have like a couple people reach out to me and say like, "How do you do this? Like, how how do I make my Instagram more personable?" And I'm just like, "Just mm-hmm. be authentic. Be yourself. Who gives a fuck?" Yeah. Like at the end of the day, um, you're gonna attract the people who are meant to be attracted to you. You know, yeah, like mm-hmm. your authenticity radiates, and especially when when we're so caught up in the superficiality of social media, when people are so easily just like, let me scroll and like, scroll and like, scroll mm-hmm. and like, this cute cushion. Um, and if you take a second and like, actually, you notice somebody has a decent sized caption, right? And it's not more than, it's, it's, it's not the basic like, oh, I don't know, what are those stupid ass lines people were putting? Like, um, I did a thing. Might do right. it later. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like um, like Netflix and chill or something, just yeah, like yeah, whatever yeah. quick one-liners. Yeah. Um, I I just wanted to make sure it had substance, so I I definitely noticed that um, more people were resonating with what I had to say after the fact, and I think that they started shifting their perspectives on how they were going to utilize their social media. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't necessarily curated. You know, yeah. Do you, getting, do you get a lot of um, like currently in your normal day, uh, DMs or messages from people responding to like the content of your captions, like what you say you're going through and stuff? Yeah, I don't get like tons of responses. Um, and I don't even I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just curious because like the community that you end up building is like you. They know you more than you know them. So I'm like, yeah. How much do they reach out to you? Yeah, I I don't get tons of responses, but I am grateful for the ones that do reach out. I've had quite a few people who, I guess they like stumbled upon my page somehow, and they're like, "Oh, like I love whatever energy you're bringing, or whatever mm-hmm. something about you." There's just there's always there's literally the line is usually there's something about you, and I'm like, "Oh, thank you." <laughs> like, <cute>. Okay, <laughs> whatever that means, I guess. Um, yeah, and I just I I don't necessarily do it for the response it's yeah, right. you know it's great to get confirmation and validation in that but um I guess because me posting from an authentic place is a little more cathartic for me than anything so if people yeah. do get something out of it I'm so grateful and I'm glad that that's the case um it's like but, a bonus yeah it's definitely a bonus so and that's the point also and even since you've like made that shift and, and and like you you express what you do and it's so beautiful and and funny too like mm-hmm. do you ever still get in your head with social media like does it still kind of get to you and you're just like fuck it all yeah so there are moments it wasn't um not necessarily as of late just because i i, I took the I, I took the leap and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to make a Finsta. So I made my Finsta so I could just post whatever the hell I wanted mm-hmm. to whenever I wanted yeah. to without worrying about curating, without worrying about brand yeah. partnerships, yeah. without making sure that it was aesthetically pleasing. Like, right, right, right. you'll see, obviously in my stories, I'll have moments where I'm just like being me and you can see me fresh face, no makeup, like just doing really goopy shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But those I are need- my favorite. <laughs> I know. I love your Finsta. <laughs> Sorry, not exclusive. You're not on the list. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't know her Finsta. (laughs) But even even now, I've, because I had to take a break for a minute, like, I I just couldn't be bothered, honestly. There's been 
because there's been so much so many things that have happened recently yeah. also yeah. that um I just haven't had the heart to like shoot like I have before yeah. I was mm-hmm. making a lot of my own content too because I realized a lot of the people that I was collaborating with were booking um paid gigs so I was like I'm not even gonna y'all mm-hmm. do you like I'm proud mm-hmm. of you I've had multiple people who have um who have gotten me booked for jobs so I'm very appreciative of them but I I took the time to do it for myself because um I just I didn't want to have to necessarily rely on anybody yep. for it's that so much you know especially Im- if it was just going to be for Instagram mm-hmm. yeah and it's empowering like the more you can do for yourself the more self-reliant you are then your collaborations become for fun and not out of necessity yeah exactly exactly yeah wow and do you think like like what do you think and this might might be like not super off topic but like doing shoots and and projects and stuff pre-pandemic like what do you think like the future is now because uh like uh, last week we talked to my one of my best friends al he works in the industry and like he works for a, a really popular american brand right now he's a content producer and so he does like everything with the shoots and like he's nervous as fuck like because they're do- they're starting to do more sh- more and more shoots and more and more campaigns right now like do you as a model have like you know are you wary of like what it's gonna look like once it gets bigger and once people start opening up again yeah as far as doing shoots? i mean i'm I I know I'm not necessarily rushing out to do shoots because even yeah. then, like at this point, just personally speaking, um, I haven't had so much like uh, I haven't been extremely like motivated or inspired to like mm-hmm. go out and shoot all the time like mm-hmm. I was at one point. Um, and I've definitely seen like a few friends of mine who who have started back up again and gotten into the swing of things again. And I know that also has a lot to do with just their livelihood and them needing to work, you know? Yeah. So, and I completely understand that. Um, yeah. I think as far as like the professional industry of it all, like when it comes to large brands and things working together, I, I there hasn't been very much care for how models have been treated in the past. Yeah. So I don't think that that's going to change, to be honest. Um mm-hmm especially from a model's perspective, a lot of it is like, you're just a mannequin to these people. You're here to to do your job and that's it. And to create a vision for everybody else and then keep it pushing. Yeah. So, um, I can, especially in this very capitalistic society, I would not be surprised if, if they just figure out their way to get around all the things to make the money. (laughs) I mean, yeah. that's what they're doing. I mean, besides, I feel like uh, like he's done some, and he showed me pictures, like, uh, Zoom shoots. Well, they'll send the models, like, fisheye lens, and then, like, it'll attach to their cameras, mm-hmm. either on their phone or their computer, and that's how they do the shoots. But e- even with that, there are, like, opening back up. And I'm like, I, as an actor who's auditioning for things that they're like, oh, yeah, it's, like, uh, you know, August start date for like, you know, in-person shooting. I'm like, what do they expect us to do? You know, right. there's only so much you can do in service industry and in uh, the arts and in entertain- entertainment. Like we're going to have to, unless they can pay for us to be quarantined. I don't <laughs> see a healthy way we can have a 
good job again <laughs> yeah honestly I don't I really don't know I'm just trying to let go of whatever control I'm trying to have on that I'm just yeah um I one thing that I always recommend to every creative especially creatives that are starting in the industry is to find a way to work on a, a passion project that they have you know yeah. um and whether it's in their starting phase or if if they're trying to shoot and just we're creative, we can get creative with it. We can find ways to get around it. And especially considering this is global and it affects everybody. Um, it's like, if, if your entire shoot has to be via webcam or some extra, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Like, I, I, yeah. think, I think it's, there's ways to go around it without endangering other people, but yeah. um, it just, it just takes a little bit of innovation. I think that are- possible. What are, for you creatively, because we mentioned at the beginning too or in in the intro, but you also draw and paint and you're an artist. I mean, you're an artist in so many realms and in your dream world, where do you like career wise, what are some of your goals for the future, whether that's like 2021 or like in 10 years? Like what what kind of stuff do you have that you're like, I really want to do this? Yeah, I have like a handful of like passion projects that I'd like to get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like a like a rom com thing that I want to do that I want to write yes. that I want to get done. I have there's so many things that I can just pull from life experiences that yeah. I think people should talk about <laughs> or mm-hmm. that people um would resonate with. Um, mm-hmm. and so there's that. There's like a art. There's I honestly there's so many things that I want to do. I can't even. Mm-hmm really articulate exactly yeah. what it is because I would love to just make a living doing every facet of art that intrigues yep. me you know and yeah. being able to kind of interweave all of the elements of yeah. each into maybe one big project at some point but mm-hmm. um yeah there's there's just so many things that I'm interested in as far as creative endeavors are concerned that yeah. I feel like the possibilities are endless all it takes yeah. is like me disciplining myself enough to really sit down and make it happen, you know? Right. Yeah. Do you still, do you see like, like what do you see as far as like the social media aspect of it? Because I already see it changing. We've talked about it a little bit, but for you and how you kind of, you know, in the world you're creating and the, in the community you're creating, like, are you like, how are you going to be conscious of like the brands are going to be, uh, partnering with and like yeah yeah definitely so especially moving forward and even as of recently I've taken into account the um like brands who have just posted something because they know that this is like that there's eyes on them now you know and Mm -hmm. I've noticed um a handful of brands that previously made absolutely no comment you know and then now that they see a shift in um you know the conversation and they see more black bodies being at the forefront of um campaigns they're like oh 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 we're gonna we aren't gonna make any money if we don't use black people so let's make sure that Mm -hmm. we use black people now but i think Mm -hmm. the conversation that needs to be had is under them understanding that this is not a phase Mm -hmm. right you know this is a, a change that's gonna maintain you know Mm -hmm. um and that this representation is 
it's integral. It is necessary. Yeah. So I think um, as long as these brands are willing to change along with the way society is moving, then Mm -hmm. by all means, yes. But if you think that this is just going to be a quick photo op, like <laughs> right yeah and then keep it pushing like you have been before your company is most likely not gonna yeah you're gonna back. fall behind i mean and, and like most things like the initial uh motivation for brands to do that in the society we live in of course is money like you said like oh shit we're not gonna we're being called out on like big platforms now brands are being examined we're not gonna make money if we don't use black people in our campaigns even though that is the place where a lot of them are starting from which sucks but it's better than continuing like we did hopefully it does transition into like you're saying actually the reasons they start to do that are because they understand that it is necessary and it is important and I think but what I think a lot of that has to do with the corporate structure of these brands um, changing because they like we talked about in our episode with Al um, in the fashion industry, like if the face, even if the face of a brand in their campaigns or even in their stores is diverse, the corporate structure is still a bunch of white people sitting up there. Right. And so I feel like that's what's going to need to eventually for it to sink into a brand about why it's important and not just, oh, because of the bottom line and the money. I believe that's going to have to shift. I, I agree entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what kind of advice would you give to girls and, like, specifically, like, women of color that, like, you know, don't see themselves represented and, like, could be, like you said, uh, like, could be going through an identity crisis themselves? Like, how do you, like, what kind of advice would you give them to either, you know, if they're creative and want to express themselves or just to feel good in their bodies? Yeah. So in in the world, as far as being a creative and wanting to express yourself, I say just do it in the ways that you know how, you know, Mm -hmm. also don't be afraid to sort of seek out other creatives who look like you or Mm -hmm. um, like researching hashtags, like trying to try to utilize the tools that you do have available um, in order to to find other creatives who are like minded and wanting to create more of a diverse um atmosphere I guess um and also don't be afraid to create for yourself either because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like no one's going to be able to fully represent you in the way that you want to be other than you you know yeah Mm -hmm. so um and that's something that I keep trying to reiterate for myself so yeah um because we're so multifaceted there's so many layers regardless you're much more than just a stereotype that you see on tv and Mm um i'm very grateful for the black creatives who have created a platform like such as Issa Rae and Michaela Cole you know Mm -hmm. who have just done so who created (sighs) multi-dimensional characters who happen to be women of color you know whose whose um character isn't centered around their blackness yeah, the characters right. centered around their life experiences, and mm. um, I I think that's so important. And so, especially if you're trying to find a way to be more comfortable in your body and who you are as a person, I think it's very important to seek out those people who you feel um represent you in some way and resonate yeah. with you in some way, so you can learn to love yourself a little bit more. Just because it mm. always helps knowing that you're not the only one there, right. you know. Yeah. And like, I think I really do believe that the more 
you look at something, even if you're not even consciously thinking about it, the more beauty you find in it. And so it's like, really, like if, you know, probably a lot of us, the, when we feel the worst about our bodies, or I guess just, I don't know, maybe just women, but like, as women, like we all are, the more you, the times where you feel the worst about your body, when you're looking at pictures, it's usually when you're looking at someone that doesn't look like you. Yeah, it, it's, it's the truth. And it's not like, um, I mean, that's kind of weird because I'm also saying like surround yourself by people that don't look like you, which I mean as well. But I just mean like the comparison aspect, like you're saying, if your whole vision of beauty is something that doesn't resemble yourself at all, um, that's going to cause a lot of tension. And we all have dealt with that. And so then like women of color, it's like exponentially even more because my whole life the world's been telling me that my skin is beautiful like I and I still have had plenty of issues growing up as a woman and feeling like shit you know so it's like it's kind of, it just seems like an impossible mountain to climb sometimes but I like what you're saying of like surround yourself it's an interesting mix because it's like surround yourself by people with people that you see yourself in and that make you feel good about these parts of yourself and also expand your horizons and surround yourself with people whose experiences are different from yours. Cause that also allows you to step outside of yourself and be like, okay, it's not all about, I can get mm-hmm. out of my head cause I find beauty in this too. But it also helps when there's someone that is being fucking real, you know, it's not just like, exactly, you know, whatever sort of hot pick, you know, it's mm-hmm. like there's substance and that helps because there's mm-hmm. connection immediately um before we get to the sos moment um like i just wonder with your experience and everything like are you hopeful for like how social media is changing how the modeling like uh, industry is changing now that they're you know more vocal about needing representation yes i am i i definitely see more of like a black renaissance happening like Mm -hmm. there's definitely gonna be more representation I always have like this vision in my mind like you know when you're you're watching tv you see these commercial ads for like very luxurious travel locations or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. always some like very skinny white girls with like (laughs) yeah like cocktails (laughs) and shit and I'm just thinking of like in my mind I always picture it but with like just all of these hues of melanin, right? Just all of these mm-hmm. different ranges. And that's not to say that there aren't obviously very beautiful white girls, because there are, clearly. <laughs> but um, we already know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think it's just so beautiful to see yourself depicted in ways that you hadn't before. It kind of gives you a new sense of inspiration. And mm-hmm. um, especially because there are so many talented women of color. Um, there's so many talented people of color who are creative, who who are within so many different realms of the industry, not even just being like the faces of something, but also like mm-hmm. directors of photography because they, mm-hmm. they know the importance of making sure like certain, you know, frames are set up a certain way or like that lighting techs even who mm-hmm. who understand the importance of, how lighting can really transform an image, you know, things about editors, um, writers, photographers. If there's like a a dark skin girl next to a super white girl, 
photographers knowing how to balance that out so that like you're right someone's exactly. not blown out or hidden in the shadows it's like I mean which seems like a basic skill but like you're saying it, it's not pervasive in the industry yet so no and I, but I think that it will be soon and I think that it will be more inclusive in that way because there's um but that's not to say that there's that like white people can't be involved in in these projects and things like that it's just mm -hmm. making sure that everyone's seen in a, a light that's for lack of a better term but um in seen in a light that uplifts everyone yeah. as a whole you know yeah. that doesn't you know have to you know, like you said like have the, the white girls lit well in this being mm -hmm. with a dark person, but the dark person's now in literally in the fucking dark. Like, yeah. you can't, it's not the same. It's just being able to, yeah. It's getting makeup know. artists and hairstylists hair that have experience. Yeah. Just like it. really just honoring the beauty that's in everybody and not trying to make everybody get as close as they can to one ideal. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's like the perfect way of saying it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's how the industry is going to shift. Um, I think if people, if companies, brands aren't about that for whatever reason, for whatever political reason, they're just going to be left in the dust because of yep. it. You know, it's like jump on the wave now or forever hold your peace. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like there's so many brands being called out right now and like, you know, like Anna Wintour, like Vogue is just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I, we would love to know your SOS moment before we let you go. Yeah. So my SOS moment was, at least when it comes to creative industry things, yeah. um, one of my SOS moments yeah. was, many, of course. Um, was <laughs> definitely after um, I had moved to London because my boyfriend's from there and I wanted to see if that was an option for us you know, mm -hmm. just kind of get an idea of what the industry was like there. And I had realized that whilst I was there, considering I was very elated to leave LA just because I was tired of superficiality yeah. and the lack of genuine creatives that I'd come across. Um, I, I had learned rather quickly after going to these open calls for agencies and trying to sell my look um, mm -hmm. but constantly getting rejected and constantly getting rejected without an excuse or without a reason, just kind of knowing that I wasn't good enough mm -hmm. and not, and considering I'm somebody who thrives off of criticism and I'm somebody who thrives off of just any sort of critique because I want to get better. I want to learn how I can get better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I then understood that it was essentially up to me to create certain things for myself it was up to me to make sure that I was you know represented in a way that I wanted to be and also to make sure that I wasn't necessarily associating myself with um, agencies or brands that didn't see what I yeah. saw in myself mm -hmm. you know the potential that I saw in myself the potential that these students who mm -hmm. I worked with saw in me and um yeah so after after that whole experience I made more of an effort to 
find ways to uplift myself for the sake of my confidence, you know, mm-hmm. um, and for the sake of other people who looked like me, for the sake of other people who yeah. felt yeah. very discouraged about entering a creative industry just because they knew that either they were underrepresented or they didn't think that they were good enough. So, so when you were in the UK, when you were like testing the waters for the modeling industry out there you felt it was like without being said but it was very clear to you that it was just like is your skin tone yeah I noticed even though the UK is extremely diverse just in population I noticed when it came to create like creatively whether I wanted to be a part of acting or modeling that especially modeling you had to have a very European look so mm-hmm. even if you are like even though even if they would have like a lot of dark Nigerian girls on their roster, all of these dark Nigerian girls still had a European sort of facial structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and I was then left to really compare myself and I then understood how I guess I'm black American I looked in comparison to these girls. Mm-hmm. There were very many um mixed race girls who although we're similar skin tones. Facial structures weren't necessarily the same. Like I noticed my nostrils are a little bit wider, even though I don't have the widest set of nostrils. Like these yeah. like, little things that left me to compare um, a lot of physical attributes that I can't change or I'm not willing to change. Yeah. So um, that definitely put things into perspective for me, especially after my modeling agency in the States had dropped me after a year and Mm -hmm. after they had dropped the entire division that I was in Mm -hmm. at one point, um, just because they didn't know how to market us, you know, (laughs) and although that they had very, uh, like a whole roster filled with Abercrombie and Fitch looking girls. Of course. (laughs) Right. Right. God, well, so just, at that time, like, what did, what, like, getting your self-confidence back up again, like, how, how did you even, like, manage that? Like, like how with, do you fight the demons in your head after that where you're just yeah. like, fuck the world? Like, well, I mean, to be honest, while I was there, while I was in London, I definitely had, um, that was, that was probably the worst year for my self-confidence, the worst year for my mental health. Mm. That's the same year I think I made the conscious effort to shift how I was utilizing social media because mm-hmm. um it wasn't healthy for me I didn't like pretending like I was fine yeah and mm-hmm. um I had to make this conscious decision because I knew that I had depression at one point I knew prior to that I knew I had, I had depression because I went to the doctor and they t- mm-hmm. gave me like a little test to take after they were trying to figure out what was wrong with me. <laughs> and once I marked off, like, it was just like a real quick survey at the little piece of paper that was like, between one to 10, like, how do you feel yeah. today? And yeah. um, my doctor, the doctor came back in and she was like, oh, yeah. So if you get under a certain amount, that means you're depressed. So I don't want to prescribe you anything, which I didn't want to be prescribed anything either. She was just like, just try to get some sun, you know, try to do things that you enjoy, like, very whatever. And mm-hmm. but I moved to England. I want to say like maybe six months to a year after that and being in that environment where it is very gloomy all the time Mm -hmm. where people are very depressing just Mm -hmm. in tone and in nature that's just the way that they are they're very morose in their jokes they're very dark and everything so 
Um, and considering I grew up born and raised in Southern California, yeah. it is a completely different environment. So I definitely had a really rough depression period. And yeah. um, I had to consciously tell myself, like, I just don't want to be sad anymore. Yeah. I'm just tired of being sad. Like, yeah. this, is, Priority. Uh, this is draining, you know? So mm-hmm. I um, did some research. I was like, what are natural ways to, like, help with depression? I found out, um, I, I found out about 5-HTP, which is, um, if you don't know, it's like a, a, a natural supplement that boosts the, uh, what's the word? Endorphins. It's not, I don't know if it's endorphins. It's, it I forgot exactly what it's it called. Ser- There's a chemical in your brain that. Boosts- is, uh, isn't it serotonin? Yes. Oh, serotonin. It boosts the serotonin <laughs> levels in your brain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it helps with like energy and sleeping or whatever. So I found, I found some, um, while I was out there, I started taking that regularly and then that helped whatever, whatever it, it worked. Yeah. yeah. It oh. helped come out of whatever funk that I was in, whatever just self-deprecating thoughts that I was having of mm-hmm. like really not thinking that I was good enough. It inspired me to 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 get into my artwork because prior to me going there, I was I was doodling a lot like I, mm-hmm. at my previous job because they weren't allowing us to do anything else. Like I couldn't have my phone. They had oh, a computer well. for us to use, but I couldn't use the computer for anything other than work. And they had like cameras set up to just stare at you the entire time. So, and I had a, a micromanager who would walk in ready for you to fuck up so they could write you up. And Mm-mm. there was one day when I just picked up a piece of paper. I'm like sat at the desk and I'm just like, I'm just going to doodle. But because I have an eight hour shift, let me just make it as intricate as possible. Um, and just see where it goes from there. I'll just use like circles and random lines mm-hmm. and just start scribbling shit. And, um, one day when my coworkers saw me and they, they saw what I made, they're like, wow, that's really good. I'm like, this is just a doodle. Like, it's not that deep. <laughs> they're like, no, this is great. Whatever. And I was just utilizing that as like a form of therapy for me or like a yeah. way to ease my boredom to make the time go by. So while I was in England, I um, definitely utilized art, like physical art, as mm-hmm. a way to cope with depression and um, as a means to used for therapy for me because um I wasn't very I didn't really know how to articulate what was going on and it was easy for me to just kind of put all of my shit on a canvas or on a sketch Mm -hmm. pad or something and then it just kind of grew from there so um definitely highly recommend 5-HTP for anybody with depressive thoughts and especially if you're somebody who doesn't want to do antidepressants with all the side effects Mm -hmm. I completely stand by 5-HTP forever forever will it was even Mm -hmm. to the point where my sister was like who are you like you're way (laughs) too happy right now this is not the person that I know and I realized at that point that I needed to tone down (laughs) (laughs) I had to reduce the amount that I was taking because I started to not feel like myself entirely not not in a bad way but I'm like this is too much. Yeah, I'm like, I'm a little too happy-go-lucky right now. <laughs> Let me just bring yeah. it back down a bit. But, um, yeah, that that definitely aided in as well as finding other creative outlets. Yeah. yeah. I love that so, because it, it is, a, like, a good and wonderful story of just, like, utilizing. Yeah, if you're not creative, like, you could still 
find a way to express yourself and and connect to Mm -hmm. yeah to help whatever whatever fight you're fighting to 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 yeah better yourself i love that yeah (sighs) thank you thanks so much (laughs) for taking the time talking to us um like while you went to the bathroom really quick i was just like damn it molly like i need to be better with my captions (laughs) i need to fucking connect i need to be um you know it's inspiring you're inspiring just try not to think about it that's the thing like i i kind of just go just because i the thing is that a problem that i definitely had was like attempting to curate posts right i'm not good at scheduling posts out especially mm-hmm. when it yeah. comes to like yeah. writing a caption because a lot of that stuff is literally how i'm feeling that day yeah so um if i really don't feel like posting that day i'm probably not gonna post. if i really don't feel like i have anything to say that day then i'm most likely not gonna post anything mm-hmm. um unless i'm just very excited about a shoot then yeah. you'll usually know that i'll usually clarify that somewhere <laughs> like i'm sorry i don't really have anything to say i'm just really excited about this yeah <laughs> but i yeah i highly recommend for anybody who wants to utilize their their social media platforms as a means to be a little more authentic or to have a little more of an authentic outreach just to not put too much pressure on yourself you know don't Um, overthink it yeah yeah, just go with it and um and and just let the let the thoughts flow out as they do like what Mm -hmm. how are you just really check in with yourself honestly check in with yourself Mm. ask yourself how you're feeling ask yourself like what is it that is really weighing on my mind heavily today um because mm-hmm. in, you might think that it'll just resonate with you, but chances are there's more people who, um, yep. who will take something from that than you think. So Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. <sighs> Thank I'm, you so I'm much. I'm grateful that you took this much time out of your day, too, to talk to us. Because, A, I miss you like crazy. And, B, this is, like, this is a really important conversation for people to hear, for us to have. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, I miss you guys. <laughs> I love you. This was fun. I love you. Thank you so much again to Ariel for taking the time to talk to us. Um, I love her so much. Um, Yeah. Again, if you want to follow her, um, please follow her at at Ari, A-R-I-E dot Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. And her um, website is arielmichelle.com. Uh, same spelling yeah I'm it was really I think it's so important to just like hear perspectives and stories from people that don't look like you because exactly so many things that like even if they're your good friends and you know how many people are like oh I have black friends or I have what it doesn't matter like you have to have these conversations to learn stuff because yeah I mean you you there's stuff I would never think about even though like you and I think about these issues a lot. There's stuff I would never think about until I have a conversation w- like that with Ariel where you're just like, "Wow. I didn't even think about that." That's the importance of like having these sharing these stories and experiences. Yeah, and we've I think I said this in the intro too, but like I we've been wanting to have kind of and we want to have more conversations about everything, you know, but like social media is such a a force mm-hmm. and such a, a a way for us to have a voice and and um yeah, yeah, and express ourselves. And yes, there's so many downsides to it. You know, we can be it, it can reinforce like anti social uh, behavior, yeah. but 
And it also, it's not super reflective of how you really are a lot of the time. You know, everyone's yeah, just- Yeah, it's the highlights. Post, yeah, it's like highlights, but at the same time, and especially now we are changing in how we are expressing ourselves. You know, we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. We're trying to be as mm-hmm. as informed as possible. And, that, and that's a way to do it. So uh, mm-hmm. I encourage you to follow her um, and follow more yeah. people of color, women of color, Mm-hmm. Um, people, uh, trans people, people, uh, dif- you know, differently abled people, you know, not just, yeah. Anyone that does like anyone that doesn't look like you, because you, yeah. you know what it's like to go through the world in your body and your skin and your size and shape and whatever. And it's not like you can't make friends that look like you, but honestly, when it comes to like what you're consuming online, it's like, I, I, my feed is like, and not, not in the last month, this is like years. My feed is like 80% black women, like the creatives, the photographers, the designers, like I just, it's beautiful to me. It's so, their work is beautiful. And maybe we can share, I put up a list on my Instagram of like my Mm. favorite top, um, feeds, uh, Instagram feeds that are not their top aesthetic because Instagram is an aesthetic platform. And so like anything visual, I have favorite like chefs, designers, um, mm-hmm. florists, like uh, photographers. Um, and they've been my top favorite accounts for a long time. And it's not like a list of my top favorite black accounts. It's like top favorite accounts. But maybe we could share something like yeah. that on our on our Instagram for SOS because I know people don't really know where to begin sometimes. And if you yeah. want like to be inspired by art and creativity when you go to Instagram, um, we could give a little start to that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do that. I have a lot of, li- I have some good ones yeah. to follow too. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. Yeah. So today our charity nonprofit is going to be Women of Color Network, Inc. So WOCN Inc. is a national grassroots initiative dedicated to eliminating violence against all women and their communities by centralizing the voices and promoting the leadership of women of color across the United States. WOCN Inc. leadership, staff, and advisors are made up of exclusively women of color and in collaboration with their partners have been able to reach out and support uh, and support the inclusion of diverse constituencies in the anti-violence against women movement. Through those partnerships, WOCN Inc. has provided training in multifarious uh, audiences, facilitated national dialogues, and built alliances across social justice movements. To learn more and donate, please visit WOCNINC.org. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Um, guys, so don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the SOS Pod. Subscribe and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, more uh, YouTube. You can search SOS with Molly and Alyssa. Um, and please leave reviews, please rate really helps people discover us. Other people discover us on Apple podcasts. Mm -hmm. Um, so thanks for listening and here's to turning meltdowns into magic. Mm -hmm.